This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Good afternoon. What is really going on at 911 Dispatch in Toronto? When residents call for an emergency, are they put on hold, as the Toronto Police Association would have us believe? Or is this a problem that is already being addressed, as Mayor John Tory would have us believe? We're having this conversation because of that full-page ad placed by the Toronto Police Association, which shows Mayor Tory, Police Chief Mark Saunders, and Police Services Board Chair Andrew Pringle laughing with a blood-scrawled 911 behind them and the words, these guys are putting your safety on hold. Mayor Tory has called out Police Association President Mike McCormick for an ad that he calls Beyond Comprehension. Mike McCormick is on the line with us, as is City Councilor Shelley Carroll, who's also on the Police Services Board, and paramedic Mike Merriman. Hello to all of you. Hello, Jane. Mike, we were were airing your response this morning on Zoomer Radio News, but please uh, take a moment to restate your response to Mayor Tory's concerns. Well, Mayor, first of all, you know, to say that it's blood splatter, it's red spray paint. This is a discussion that we have been having. We've come forward to the police service board, to the mayor, uh, to the chief. This has been an ongoing narrative and dialogue. We've been the, the canary in the coal mine for months and months. We've been trying to get some action. Yes, there is a modernization plan. Yes, there's a transformation plan. And we have to look at the practices that we do in policing. And that's not where the association has a dispute. Where we have the dispute is in the reckless manner of the implementation piece of the transformation and the modernization. And what I mean by that is that what is happening is that the only thing that the modernization and transformation are the main thing that they've been able to accomplish is to not to hire and not to promote people which has caused a deficiency in our front line and a crisis in our front line delivery of police services in our communications that are across the service. And what we're saying is that it should be done in a more thoughtful, uh, seamless way that doesn't jeopardize officer employee burnout, uh, officer safety and public safety. And that's, we have been trying to resolve this issue. We have been working, uh, we thought working with the service and we have been shut down for any meaningful discussion or any meaningful solution to this issue and our members have had enough we are that concerned that this is a, a crisis and we will do what we need to do to educate the public as to what's really going on here so mike it sounds to me like you're saying the full page ad was an attention getting tactic and certainly it did do that yes of course and it's drawing it's attention to what we believe is a crisis in uh, in policing right now Mayor Tory says that 20 new employees have recently been hired to supplement the ranks. Uh, your thoughts, your comments to that, because that would seem to suggest that he is addressing the problem. Right. So let, let's talk about it. So I guess my question to Mayor Tory would be, 
okay, first of all, and this is the, the problem when we have this type of discourse in a, in a very public way. These these subjects are very complex, and there's lots of nuances and details, and we try to capture that in a few-minute segment, and I'll try to do my best around that. But it, it's always, there's certain things that are, are, are lost. So when somebody makes a statement and says, oh, I'm hiring uh, 20 people, well, that sounds, oh, well, that's great. So when you hire 20 people for communications, how many people do you actually end up as communicators on the floor? So we lose roughly 25 to 40%. So we're looking at actually only 15. So when we look at the 15 that they've hired, how long does it take them to train? Well, it tra- takes them almost up to a year before they're uh, on, 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 on the floor and they're out there, right? So it takes them uh, a year to get there. And then how many people did Mr. Tory say, how many people have we lost or how many people have retired from communications and how many people we expect another 35 to leave this year. So to say we've got, we have 20 as a member of the public, you say, Oh yeah, they're, they're addressing it. Well, they're not addressing it because the staffing number is so low. We have people being put on hold. We need to do something more than just saying we're going to replace the 40 or 50 people were short with an additional 15. I want to get to the bottom of this hold situation. Like, how, what sure. percentage of of people calling in in an emergency are put on hold, and then for how long are they put on hold? Well, it, it can be up to several minutes. We've had cases where people have been put on hold for seven minutes, three or four minutes. And what we see is uh, it's also around the times of day and everything else. But generally, during a day, we have... The only acceptable standard, international standard, is what they call the NINA standard. And the NINA standard says that 90% of your emergency calls uh, should be answered within 10 seconds. I would say categorically that we very, very rarely meet that standard. So on a daily basis, we will have what they call calls in queue. And that means that 911, and you can be on hold for several seconds or you can be on hold for several minutes. We rarely, again, meet the minimum staffing numbers that we need uh, for the call takers. And that's just the first issue when people are coming in trying to reach the police. And then that is exacerbated by having a lack of police resources and dispatching uh, officers because we don't have the officers, quite frankly, on the street to attend the calls. Okay, I want to go to Mike Merriman, paramedic, also a union rep. Mike, you're not answering the phones, but you're responding to the dispatchers, and you're likely having conversations with them about this. How big of a problem do you see this? Um, I share Mike's concerns. We might be in a little bit better position as an emergency service for 10 years, from approximately uh, 2003 to 2013, we had no new hires. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were barely keeping up with attrition. Uh, our response times to life-threatening calls, which are mandated by the Ministry of Health, are uh, within 8.59 minutes to the 90th percentile. We were way over those numbers on response times. And like Mike has had to do, I was in the media quite a bit, sounding the uh, alarm bells to the public being placed at risk as a result of this. So eventually in 2013, we did hire 200 more staff, albeit part-timers, so they can't work full-time hours. Uh, but that, we're barely, we're still just barely keeping up. We dropped to zero ambulances fairly regularly. And, uh, you know, that was basically just trying to catch up for 10 years of not hiring. But uh, um, we're still not... Uh, there's been a slight improvement, but um, it's still it's still a problem. It's still a problem meeting meeting response times, and we've had to actually have appeal. There was just this past Friday uh, out uh, in the west end of the city where 
uh, Peel region had to come into service one of our calls because we didn't have anybody to send. So how long does that process take? If you bring somebody in from another area of the GTA? It, well, it, uh, that I can't speak to how long it took Peel to get there, but yeah. obviously Peel could get there a lot quicker than they could get a Toronto ambulance okay. there, and that's why Peel was sent. Okay. Joining the conversation now is City Councillor Shelley Carroll, who's also on the Police Services Board. Councillor, what's your take on all of this? Well, I, today I can speak uh, uh, primarily to the police, although I am a city councillor, and so the paramedics budget uh, goes through the council. But but the police board uh, that uh, uh, is sort of spearheading this change in partnership with Chief Saunders uh, is fairly confident of the work in the transformational task force. But it has the, it has the wonderful sort of public friendly title of the way forward. But this is very much a partnership between the chief and his deputy chiefs and and the board, and it's a fluid thing because we are operating a safe uh, a safe community uh, uh, police service. We're making sure that people are safe while at the same time modernizing and creating massive change. And that means that there does have to be a dialogue. There does have to be a discourse. And so as as we have embarked on this change, yes, there's been a hiring freeze. Yes, some of the management changes are in place. And, and while that hiring freeze is going on, we are responsive to calls for for too many people have retired in one place. There's a gap here. There's a gap there. That's why when, when the association wanted to sit down and say, we're concerned about retirements and what's happening on the ground in August, uh, the chief, the chair, and, and the association agreed to 80 new hires of constables. That's why when we first saw a slight uh, dip in, in uh, the ability to deal with uh, 911 calls, we immediately filled the gap with some senior trainees and began a training process in October for 20 new operators, another 20 more this month. That should happen during a transformational program like this. This is a, a three to five year program of change based on what the community has been asking for for decades in the city of Toronto. And and, and the, the change they ask for is twofold. First of all, they want a culture change. There is a definite uh, erosion of trust and many of the recommendations in are designed to get officers back into the community, back into priority uh, response of, of, uh, of crime, certainly any threat to public safety, but also to be able to rebuild their community relationship in the appropriate ways. At the same time, the community has been asking for many years why the police service budget grows uh, much faster than any other type of public spending in, in the city and asked us to examine that and look at whether or not that could be slowed or stabilized. And that's what's going on. Those two major changes based on what the public looks for. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that uh, that that the employee group, the police association, which is essentially a, a, a union, that their leadership should be vocal at this time. But what we want to be is partners. And so when Mike picks up the phone and says, the problem at 911, we address it. Mm -hmm. 20 officers and another 20. When he takes out an ad in the paper, um, okay. uh, to my mind, that, that is designed to shut down discourse. That doesn't promote discourse. Okay, I want to read an ad such as the one we saw. And I understand that. I want to read an email to the three of you uh, when I discussed earlier today on Zoomer Radio that we would be having this conversation. A woman named Diane emailed me. 
And I'd like to get reaction from all three of you. And certainly your calls are welcome at 416-360-0740, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. She said, I had occasion to contact 911 in December 2015 when my husband suffered a brain aneurysm. EMS were there immediately. Last August, around 10.15 p.m., I had to call 911 again. My husband thought he was having another stroke. This time I was put on hold, and when the operator came on, she asked numerous questions. I tried to tell her he previously had an aneurysm, but she wanted him to raise his arms, etc. As we found out later, my husband was having a massive brain hemorrhage. He passed away a few hours later. Then she writes, I don't believe not being put on hold would have changed the outcome. But when you're in a situation like that, you're trying to comfort your loved one and deal with 911 at the same time. It feels like an eternity and you cannot do a thing. You have no control whatsoever. I've lost my best friend. I'm totally devastated. We were together since we were 17, 55 years. I'm sorry I couldn't phone in, she writes, but this is too difficult to talk about on air. Mike McCormick, uh, your thoughts on that email? Is that representative of many people, or is that an isolated incident, honestly? Yeah, unfortunately, it's not an isolated incident, and there are many, many cases. For instance, like uh, this week, the other day, I think uh, two days ago, we had nine 911 calls in queue. That means that they were waiting, and those are the emergency calls waiting to be answered. So some of them took up to uh, 90 seconds to be answered and stuff. So for the person who's calling police, and that's why you have the NINA standard and saying that 90% of your call should be answered within 10 seconds, And she brings up another significant point. One of the issues that we're having when we look at staffing models is that a dispatcher now takes twice the time on a call, double the time on a call that they took uh, 10 years ago. And the reason is because they have to ask questions. Because now, you know, when you're looking at where where do we triage these calls, we don't want it to be dispatching. So they've increased the workload on dispatchers. So it's taking longer. And we still, and, and what's really frustrating, when they, I listen to Shelly Carroll, oh, it doesn't sound great, that three to five year plan. It all sounds great. But what? we're not really talking about what Shelly's not addressing is the immediacy when she, when we're talking about the shortages and, Oh, you know what? This shuts down dialogue and that like this, we have been trying to have a meaningful dialogue, including presenting proposals to the police service board and the chief to say, look, this is what we need to do now to have safe communities, to have a uh, safe uh, frontline officers, safe police officers, um, your employees to be taken care of, to get you to your modernization. You are putting that in jeopardy now. And that was the discussion. And every time we would go and sit down, and we, first of all, we weren't involved in the original uh, transformational task force because the board didn't want to have the association uh, to be a full partner. That being said, we wanted to work through some of this stuff. And what we're trying to say is, you know, when Shelly says, well, this is a three to five year, actually, it's a, um, by 2019, they had a target number of 4,750 officers. It's a budgetary exercise. And what we're saying is that may be the right number, that may be the wrong number, but I don't think that Shelly can bring a real legitimate argument that can demonstrate that they are doing this in a comprehensive, business-oriented way where they're not jeopardizing public safety, they're not jeopardizing officer safety. We are hearing, I have a number of calls. I could sit here all day and go through the calls 
that we are getting with the, from our officers where it is taking hours to respond to violent domestics yeah. to assault okay. where investigations oh. are taking time and it, it's just trying to deal with that now and all we're saying to them is let's get this fixed now to get your concepts and the other question is when they're saying, well, this is going to be done in this period of time, for instance, the 311 calls, the district model, all these great concepts, it is taking them longer than they thought their okay. timelines are off. So we need to we need to resolve this. Okay, I take your point. Um, Shelley Carroll, your Kane, turn. Mike, Mike raises a couple of uh, uh, very good examples, and I'll go to them. But first, I want to say this. To say we want to have a dialogue when you, in fact, had it and you got response is, that, you know, uh, some true. of the comments that's today have been true. somewhat disingenuous. I, okay, wait, Mike, wait. that the caller started with uh, happened in August, and in that very month, uh, our the police association uh, uh, leader did sit down with the chair, and that is when we began to address filling some of the gaps happening during retirement. It's happening. It started then and is happening now because we do want to, to maintain our commitment that the community would be safe while this was happening. And so uh, the dialogue that he wanted, he got with both the chief and the chair, and, and response happened. So we need to be honest about whether or not that is happening when, when, when you need it to happen happen when it isn't. Councillor Carroll, though, clearly, clearly you have frustration on the other side. And, and, and likewise, when, when, when an ad, yes. when an ad paints the picture that we haven't responded to, to, to when officers have concerns, we have rank and file officers, middle management officers and senior officers who are at the table of this transformation and giving excellent input. They're association members, but they're there as willing partners in this change and are helping us decide how best to do it. And Mike, and, I'm and wondering if, if I'm and wondering, so Mike, if maybe well informed. Okay, Councillor Carroll, M- Mike McCormick, I'm wondering <laughs> if maybe you've provided a setback to the discussions as a result of this full page ad. I mean, clearly, Mayor Tory was taken back by it. Shelley Carroll is taken back by it. People are offended. So in essence, are you not slowing down the process that you're trying to speed up? So people are offended. I think they should be offended. They should be offended at the lack of action by the three people in that ad. And in, throw Shelly Carroll in that, but the lack of action. When she puts a position forward, oh, well, Mike brought this stuff. Yes, we brought forward the staffing crisis. Yes, we brought forward the crisis. The service has admitted they there is a crisis. The service has admitted that communications is, is understaffed. That's as far as we get. As far as actions, and you just heard about the 20 hires. It's actually 15, and we've got, we're down 50 people. It's 40 hires. It's 40. 20 right now you've got, and you've got 20 in the future, which we haven't even started to get out of. It's the same shell game you're playing with saying, oh, well, we hired 80 police officers. We lost 232 police officers last year. 75, that's, that's 300. And you're saying we're going to replace them with 80. But what they don't tell you is that... The 80 that we agreed that they were going to start to hire would be hired in 2017, which is not the case. They went back on that and said, we're going to hire uh, the 20 in December. Then we're going to hire 30 in April and 30 in July of 18. So actually, you will see an additional 80 police officers by January of 2019. And in the meantime, you've lost 500. Okay, I want to bring, I want to bring, no, hang on, we need to say one thing. Very quickly, Ms. Carroll, because we need to wrap this up. The response that was that, that is needed, the collaboration that is needed, has been ongoing throughout this. 
while we have been implementing change, we have responded and acted on concerns as we committed that we would. I suspect that the timing of this ad right now, given that it's raising 911 concerns when they've already been addressed, is because there are more changes coming to modernize this police force, and they're, they're great ideas about change, tried and true from around the world, but they are not the, they are not the ideas and the suggestions of the union. Okay, you've so both, you've both had a say. worried about future change. Councillor Carroll, a TPA President McCormick, I want to bring Mike Merriman in. He has patiently been waiting. Uh, Mike Merriman, our paramedic on the line, your final thoughts before we wrap up this segment. Uh, I just wanted to point out, I have to defend Mike McCormick here. Um, I feel his pain. Uh, it took years of trying to deal with the employer, like obviously as Mike is trying to do, to wake them up to what is going on out on the front line. And uh, his employer probably sings the same tune as mine does. Keep it in house. Keep it in house. Well, eventually you get tired of listening to political rhetoric, and you have to go public with it. Well, you and certainly got everybody's attention. Obviously that's the position Mike is in right now. And I can only speak, I can tell you this much, more and more and more, my members are being in a, put in a position, and Mike and I have had this conversation, to do police work. Because there are no, and it's no fault of the rank-and-file officers out there, they do a great job, but there are none available to send. Paramedics are stuck in the middle of the violent domestic situations with no police descent. Okay. We have no training. We have no weapons. We have nothing. All right. It's well, for the sake. Job, it's the job of the police, and they need more out there. Okay. And I'm saying that as a frontline paramedic. I understand. As personally, I've personally went, looked at the computers on the, in their cruisers. They have calls stacked, racked. You need more police. Okay, and I I feel the frustration of all three of you, and certainly you need to resolve your differences. We've tried to do that a little bit on the air today because it will benefit the people of Toronto. I thank all three of you. Thanks Thanks for having me. Take care. City Councillor Shelley Carroll, Toronto Police Association President Mike McCormick, and paramedic Mike Merriman. Still to come here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back, today with Jane Brown, Libby's back tomorrow, we'll be joined by a hypnotist on this Weedless Wednesday. Maybe hypnosis will finally help you quit smoking. And up next, is your doctor routinely late for appointments, or does he or she do their best to stay on time? Your stories are welcome at 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.